morning. Before we charge ahead this morning, I'd, I'd just like to say thanks to everyone who pitched in last last week to help with the anniversary service and the, the morning special event that was going on. Um, if you helped in some way setting up, tearing down, any anyway with the kids, would you stand real quick? That's great. We'll give you a hand. We don't normally do that kind of thing, give ourselves a hand. <laughs> we don't want to make a practice of it. But it was interesting, the guys who came back that have gone out and started other churches, we we were a real inspiration to them as they saw everybody pull together to make that happen. That's that's really how Church in the Valley has developed. We've God has brought people together to do his purpose in this area. And as we all pitch in, God's glorified and honored and people are encouraged and inspired. And that's that's what happened last week. So I just wanted to say thanks for the, the effort and uh, just the way the, the thing went. You, you all are really a joy to work with. <laughs> you really are. Um, today, we're looking at developing uh, a sense of security and significance on the inside that that really protects us in many ways from the thief that we're looking at today. You know, we all have a strong desire to feel good about ourselves. That's legitimate. That's that's normal. Um, what do we say? Have a good day. We all want to have good days. And in Hebrew society, they use the word shalom. Shalom. It means peace. And it means that things are well with you. We, we want things to be good with us, and we want things to be good with the people we really care about. And how you feel about yourself plays a huge part in whether you feel good about life and what's going on in your life. When I was younger, younger I was a slightly sensitive child. Um, that's... That's an exaggeration, and it's an unexaggeration. <laughs> I was an extremely sensitive child, mainly because I had learned that I could use my tears and fits and whatever to get my way, so I used them readily. But anyway, I was at the store buying some clothes. I think I was five or six, and this is my first recollection of caring what anybody thought about the way I looked. Uh, the guy told me I had broad shoulders, and I burst out in tears. I thought, oh, wow, broad shoulders. I didn't have any idea what that meant, but I, I took offense. <laughs> it really bothered me. Um, I just thought it might be negative, so I, I threw a fit right there. In this series, what we've been doing or what we started to do last week is look at, at some thieves that can invade our lives and steal our real identity, the identity that, that the Lord Jesus wants us to have, that God gave us and wants to restore to us in Jesus Christ, uh, God really cares that we, we grow a healthy self-image. Today's thief is an excessive focus on outward stuff, the simple way to put it. Um, Jesus said, I, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. Before that, he said, the thief comes to steal and kill, kill, <laughs> it's hard to say, steal and kill and destroy. But I want you to have life. And this is a key part. 
Today's thief gets in through two basic human needs that we all have. This is, this is how it, it begins to attack our system. The first basic human need is security. To be loved and accepted. We, we just want to know that somebody accepts us for who we are. It's very, very important to us. This is a deep need that runs, runs to the core of our being. A second human need is significance. We want to have meaning and value. We want to know that our lives matter, that we as people are important to someone or something. And to the extent that these two things are met, we have self-esteem. There's also a third thing, and a third S, which is sufficiency. You know, we, we want to be competent. We want to be able to do things. But that also plays a part in our, our self-esteem. But, but I'm going to major on, on the, the two things I, I have in the outline there, the listening guide. Now, the way that we normally go about getting these needs met is the problem. It's it's it's. It plays right into the hands of the thief. We open ourselves up. We, we don't have ourselves. We don't, there's no protection in the way we normally go about it. Because what we tend to do is we tend to expect other people to meet these basic needs. Not only do we expect them to, we, we almost we feel entitled that they do. And we begin to demand it from them. So, for instance, in a marriage... You have two people that are, are looking to the other person to meet these needs, security and significance. And when I'm looking to my wife to meet my needs, it's like a black hole. It's never satisfied. You know, it's just, I, I, you know, men tend to think, I'm really not getting the admiration that I deserve for all the work that I'm doing. They, they long for admiration. They want to, you know, feel significant. Women tend to think, you know, if he would love me, or if he really loved me, he would know what I need him to do or say right now without me telling him. And so we have these things going on. I, it's, it, you're in a bad way if you're depending on someone to do just the right thing to meet one of these needs. I remember Cindy and I were on a walk, and... Uh, this has to do with outward appearance, too. Um, but uh, she, she was walking, and, you know, the older you get, the harder it is to get the pounds off. Now, my wife worrying about extra weight is, to me, fascinating that she even worries about it. But she was talking about how her she, she just can't get the weight off anymore, and especially in her abdominal region. <laughs> and, I, and I thought... Like a man, I thought, well, you need Relicor. You know, have you seen the... <laughs> Actually, the problem is not that I just thought that. <laughs> but I said it because I'm trying to fix the problem. I was trying to fix it. I had, I, I'd just seen the commercial. And I, it, was, it was sort of a joke. I'm not that dense. I'm fairly dense, but not that dense. It was a joke that didn't go over very well. <laughs> because that just wasn't a good thing. You know, if you're looking to, to someone else to say just the right thing, especially me, 
<laughs> then you're going to end up in trouble. Um, but that's what happens. One guy said that most marriages are two ticks and no dog. You're just there trying to suck the life out of the other person. There's there's no there's no no source of no source of nu- nutrients there because nobody's got them to give. Nobody's focused on meeting the needs of anyone else. They're just focused on meeting their own needs. This is a real problem that if we're constantly looking outside to others to meet our needs, boy, we're in a bad way. We really are. And in work, if you have an extreme need to be respected by others, boy, you get disappointed. You really do. Even in ministry, you know, sometimes we want to serve to gain status or we want to look like we're serving. We want to look good so we can gain status. There's nothing there. What happens is you become sort of like an, if you're always focused on having your needs met, the relationships become sort of like an empty eggshell. There's just nothing nutritious inside. And it's the same with us. You know, it's just the, the nutrition's been drained out of us. In, in our culture, people tend to focus on outward image to gain self-esteem. We try to make ourselves look good to others to gain respect and esteem. And you, you can see it in the kind of TV shows that are out there, some of them. Extreme Makeover, Body Edition, um, MTV, I Want a Famous Face, Dr. 90210. The Swan, which was basically let's remake a person and fix their outward appearance and then have a beauty pageant and see who came out the best. That that's not something I'm casting dispersions on, but that really that affects me in a way deeply that people are struggling so much with their out, outward appearance and with their sense of self worth. That they have to do that, that they, they have this sense they, they really want to do this and, and work on the outward stuff so much. The focus on outward appearance and outward stuff, it's a losing battle. It really is. We need something more secure to base our identity on. We need something that's not going to be moving and shifting around. We need something to base our identity on. I'd like to take a moment to, to look at the normal path to self-esteem that we take. And I'm going to ask Napoleon Dynamite to help us to see the normal path. And I, I promise this will make sense. But it's hard to watch uh, the first part of this clip uh, just because you feel for him. But he is taking, he, he's trying to figure out how to gain the approval of a crowd. Watch how he does it. Last week, Japanese scientists placed explosive detonators at the bottom of Lake Loch Ness to blow Nessie out of the water. (laughs) Sikor Godfrey of the Nessie Alliance Summon the help of Scotland's local wizards to cast a protective spell over the lake and its local residents and all those who seek for the peaceful existence of our underwater ally. Hey, 
to Napoleon. What did you do all last summer again? I told you I spent it with my uncle in Alaska hunting wolverines. Did you shoot any? Yes, like fifty of them. They kept trying to attack my cousins. What the heck would you do in a situation like that? What kind of gun did you use? A freaking twelve gauge. What do you think? I think the boy. I just want your step. Look at it. Just want your chains. Work up your eyes. Hey, could I use your guys' phone for a sec? Is there anything wrong? I don't feel very good. This is the normal path to self-esteem. I'll explain. What we normally do is we find out what's valued by people, by a certain group.、Um, In our in our society, the things that tend to be valued are sexual potential, work potential, power. Can you help me? Can you can you can your influence be of advantage to me? And、um, cool is pretty important. Being cool. Now Napoleon is not that cool, but he's trying to figure this thing out. The next thing we do is we compare ourselves. We we look around and see how we measure up. You know, am I am I as beautiful as someone else? Am I as intelligent? Whatever. We begin to compare ourselves, and then we try to impress them with more of whatever it is they value. So Napoleon was definitely on the outside, playing tetherball by himself, telling stories about the Loch Ness monster and the search for what's going on there. And what he did is he he knew those guys he was talking to valued strength. Comes up with a story about killing 50 wolverines over the summer with a 12 gauge shotgun, and it didn't work. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't really help him. How how do guys like Napoleon? How do people like Napoleon gain a sense of self worth? Boy, he it looks like he's in a bad way. He's he's not ever going to be in the in crowd. He's really not ever going to be cool, in our definition of cool. So how do you do that? How do you develop a deep sense of self-worth that allows you to go through life with the strength you need to live it? Look at First Samuel sixteen seven. We can see what's in, what's important to God. In all of this, in his choice of the king, he let Israel pick their first king. That didn't go well. They picked a guy, tall, handsome, you know, guy that everybody would would pick. And then the Lord said to Samuel, "Here, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him." He's talking about. He he had told Samuel that he was to go to Jesse's house. Jesse had. Six or seven sons, and he's he Samuel's looking, and he goes to the oldest, the strongest, the best-looking guys, and God one by one says, "No, that's not the guy. That's not the guy." Ends up picking David, a little teenage guy with a huge heart, because that's what's important to God. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. He looks inside. 
He looks at who we are. And, and God has met our basic needs. Let's look at how he does that. How does God meet our basic needs? Or a subtitle of this section could be, How Napoleon Could Find Self-Worth Without Lying or Pretending or Worrying About His Image. You know what? Our value doesn't come from other people. It, it's been set by God. He, he has determined our value. He's given us, as human beings, an intrinsic value that can't be taken away from us. It's a real problem when you have to depend on others to, to feel good about yourself. When you go to them to meet your, your, your basic needs. Now, God has people love us. He helps people love us and accept us. And he does meet some of our needs through that. But there are times in our lives when you feel very alone, disconnected, and you need, you need a foundation to fall back on. If you're depending on others, you're in a desperate, desperate place in life. Here is how God has met our, our basic needs. First of all, we are made in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The fact that people are made in the image of God gives us a tremendous amount of significance in life. First of all, we're made by God. We're not an accident. You could, you could look at Proverbs 22 too sometime. But we're made by Him. He, he made us. And it's important to realize that we're not only made by God, but His image in us is significant. It gives us a sense of significance because we are, out of all of creation, a mirror image of Him. We have intelligence. We're able to think. Uh, on a complex level, not on a, just on a simple level. Um, we're creative. We can design stuff. We're not creative like God. The scripture says that God made the world ex nihilo, out of nothing. He started with nothing and came up with what we have. But we take the stuff that God made and we're creative. We're able to, to design stuff and make things. We can communicate complex ideas and emotions. We have dominion. God rules. The universe, we ourselves govern things and rule things. This is why deciding creation versus evolution is important. That's what we're going to talk about in the next series. That's why we're going to have the seminar in, in November. It's important to decide whether or not we've been created, because if we haven't been created, we're just another form of animal. And that, that changes the way we go about life and relationships. Dramatically, It makes a huge impact on the way we do things. So that's why we're going to take the time in October to look at that, because it's, it's, it's critical. Scripture says we've been made by God. His image in us makes us significant. Look at Psalm 8, 3 through 6. It says, when I consider the heavens, or your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars when you, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the work of your hands. You put everything under his feet. The image of God in us, the reason God made us in his image is so that he could relate to us. 
just so that he could he could develop a relationship with human beings that could go on. He pays attention to us. It's amazing. All the power, all the majesty, all the strength, all the wisdom, all the intelligence that is his to design this universe the way he has. And he pays attention to you and I. When we have things going on in our life, he listens. He wants to help. He doesn't want to leave us hanging, trying to figure out, how do I, how do I get these basic needs met? How do I, how do I have a sense of self-worth? He, he's clued us in. He, he went to great lengths to do that. Finally, we're designed for a purpose. Now, this is important. It's important to know that God made you to do exactly what he wants you to do. And when you do what you're made to do, life is good. Now, a problem we run into in our world is we develop a dream independent of God. It's a dream that's driven by society or culture or whatever. And we stubbornly hang on to the dream. Because I have a right to my dream. It's a major theme in our world. (laughs) I have a dream, and I want to fulfill it, and I'm going to stubbornly hang on to it. And if I don't achieve my dream, if my life doesn't turn out the way I want it to, and my dream doesn't all fall into place, I'm going to get bitter. Because I deserved my dream. See, if you don't realize that you're made by God, his image in you, he's made you in his image, it's significant, and he's designed you for a purpose. Psalm 139 says that he knit you together in the womb. He he made you who you are, your size, your shape, your color, for a very, very important purpose. He, He can use you to do things that he can use no one else on the face of the earth. So it's a problem, it's, it's a danger, actually, and it plays into, it, it just erodes our identity to try to fulfill a dream that doesn't match how we were made. It, it, it just ruins us, and it destroys our sense of worth because we're trying to take a, it's just like that little child's game, or the, I saw it yesterday, I was at a one-year-old's birthday party. And had one of those boxes where you've got the different shapes, like a star, and then there's the shape of the star, and you cram the star in the right shape. You know, you try to take try to take the star and put it in the square hole. It doesn't work. Try to take the the the, the square and put it in the round shaped hole. It doesn't fit, and we get frustrated. And that's what happens when you try to be someone you weren't made to be. You get frustrated. And, and that's why it, it's so harmful when, and we get frustrated and that's what happens. And we feel like we have to come through with the goods. It's destructive. It eats away at our very identity. And so God in the scriptures, you can find out that he made us. He made us in his image and he designed you and I for a purpose. And he wants to help us to figure out what that purpose is. He wants to help us find out what to do. And before we get too puffed up over this, 
I mean, it is amazing as you look at Scripture that God even pays attention to us as, as, as huge and strong and powerful as he is. Before we get too puffed up about our importance in the world, we still have a major reason for humility. And that is that we've rebelled. And there's a separation between ourselves and God. Even though God made human beings with this ability to talk to him and relate to him, this mirror image where we can think and we can design and we can have dominion over things, we can manage and rule our, our stuff and the, the, the things that God allows us to, to govern, even though we've done that, we didn't go God's way. We didn't continue to connect with him. Every one of us began to go our own way, and that separated us from God. It cut us off from knowing him personally. And so now we're a mix of this nobility that we have. In the order of creation, human beings are the high point of his creation here on the earth. And even though we have that nobility, there's a cruelty that can show up in us. And we're trapped by our own desires. So many times we can't handle life well because we're we're demanding and we're trying to get life and have our needs met by the other people. And so relationships and responsibilities go sour and wrong because we struggle with this. Well, in response to our rebellion... God does something that proves our real value again. He shows us how valuable we are to him, and this is a source of real security. We were purchased at a high price. So not only were we made in God's image, but we were purchased at a very, very high price. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were running away from him, living life independent of him, he died for us. He paid a price so that we could have a relationship with him. That's what he made us for. He wasn't giving up. He pursued us. He he wants to find you. He wants you to find him. He didn't make us and then... When things went wrong, crumble us up like a piece of paper, throw it in the trash, and start all over again. He hung in there with us. He he figured out a way, or he knew a way, to buy us back into a relationship with him. And he purchased us at a very, very high price. This is the source of value that we have. He he makes a way for you and I to be brought into his family. We are now children of God. Those of us who turn around from going your own way to go God's way, you're a child of, of God, a son and daughter of him. You're a royal priesthood. You're sons and daughters of a king who can go directly to him, have a relationship with him. It's what it says in 1 Peter 2. We're heirs of God. And we remain humble because all of this is from him. Our, our intrinsic value has been given to us by him. And this, we were in a predicament. We could not pay for our own sin, but God does. And so he gives us his value. It's like, it's like one of those ratty blankets that you see a three- or four-year-old carrying around. 
when they were one and they got attached to the blanket, it was new, it was soft, it was beautiful. I've seen some pretty horrendous blankets that kids are carrying around at three and four. If they're still carrying a blanket, it's got holes, it's, it's fra- fra- uh, frayed on the edges, it's, it, it can just be ratty. I've seen some that were a little dirty as well because the kid won't let go of it long enough for the mom or dad to wash the thing. You know, that blanket would get no money on the open market, but it's incredibly valuable to the child because the child's decided it's valuable. That's how we are. Our, our value is secure because God has set our value very high. He made you and I. He made us in his image. He designed us for a purpose. And he purchased us back when we were going our own way. He bought us back at a very, very high price. It cost him his son. He gave his life so that we could know him. That's where our value comes from. So how do you develop a healthy self-image? How do you go about doing that? First off, learn to look at yourself the way God does. You don't have to take your cues from others. You don't. God loves you. He values you. You are secure and significant in him. Look at Romans 12:3. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Now, you may have phrases and thoughts that go through your mind, that come out of your background. Maybe that you've heard in the past from people, ways that people related you that are embedded in your brain. Or maybe from the present. Maybe you still have people saying those things to you. What you can do is replace the words of disapproval with the word of God, with the truth. Because as you hear those things, that's one of the reasons it's so important to get into the Scripture. Because there's truth there that sets you free from those, those phrases and thoughts that are going on in your mind. For instance, I, I've, I've said the reasons it's so important to get into competence, you know, where I, I'm personally afraid that I'm going to hit the Peter principle at any moment in my life. You know, the Peter principle in business that uh, executives tends to, tend to rise to the level of incompetence. <laughs> they, get a, they get a responsibility and they... They keep rising and being elevated in responsibility until they get in a position where they can't do it. And it becomes evident. I feel like that's going to happen to me at any moment. <laughs> Everybody's going to find out, or, oh, he can't do it. But you know what? I, I, I have in my mind sometimes this, this thought. You know what, Randy? Things are, things are going sour any time. People are going to find out that you can't really do what you've been assigned to do. People are going to get this. I read in my quiet time a while back, Ephesians 1.3. It struck me because it said blessed. It used the word blessed so many times. But it says, praise be to God, which blessed be God. Another translation is, blessed be God who blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You know what that says? You know what that's saying? 
I stopped and I, I looked, looked up the word blessing in the Greek, which it was originally written, written in, and it means to speak well of someone. And I thought, I've got these thoughts that are going on in my mind that I'm listening to, and God in the heavenly realms is speaking his blessing over me. He's saying good things about me. You know, that goes against every feeling and every thought I have sometimes, but that's what God's doing. If you've come to know him and have a relationship with him in Jesus Christ, you don't have to wallow in the wrong thinking, the phrases and the thoughts that are eroding your sense of value around. We have to keep, we have to maintain, it's important to maintain a balance between our value, the sense of value that we have from God, and humility. And that's why I was mentioning humility before, the reasons for continued humility. It's important to choose humility because pride causes us to crash. And if you keep crashing over and over and over again, it it affects your self-image. George Carlin was a comedian and an author. He said, most people with low self-esteem have earned it. And I, I think that there is a sense of truth to that. Because here's the second thing you can do to move toward a healthy self-image. You do good and you will feel good. It's the way it works. James 1.25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Blessed. Life is good. That's what it means to be blessed. Things are well with you. Things are good. We tend to think when I feel right, I'll do right. But the truth is when you do right, you feel right. So make it a habit to do right before God. And over time, you will begin to feel right. It's what Psalm 34 says. God clues us in. He, he wants us to know how to have good days, how, how to feel good about things. He says, whoever of you loves life and would desire many good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. There's, there it is. If you make a habit of doing good, doing what's right before God, he will bring the feelings along. If you make, if you make, the, uh, if you make the feelings the caboose and the doing right the engine of the train, the feelings will fall along. They're not always there. They come and go. They ebb and flow. But the, the engine pulls the feelings in the right direction as you do right. Here's the good news. Your self-image doesn't depend on the people around you. It doesn't have to. It's not subject to the whims of culture or any one person. God has set your value. It's set. He has said you are priceless to him. Otherwise... If you don't go to him and allow him to meet your basic needs and realize he's set your security and significance, that he's determined your value already, it's like negotiating for a used car. Have you ever been there? Wow, that's a bad feeling. You leave and you're never quite sure if you got a good deal or not. We don't have to negotiate. The price is set already and we are valuable to him. 
And as we learn to trust him, we can find the strength that he gives to live life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word. And my prayer is, God, that you would help us to rely on you more and more. To know your love and acceptance, to experience that, and to realize that, and to think the right things about ourselves, and to find our significance in you as well.